Hi, I'm Jennifer Stewart, and I'm the President and CEO of the Canadian Independent Petroleum Marketers Association. Canada is changing, and so are the sectors that support it. On Pump Chats, we're taking a deep dive into what Canada's most prominent fuel and convenience companies are doing amidst a pandemic, how they're innovating to be sustainable, and we'll also be speaking with sector experts to get some crystal ball predictions. Buckle up and get ready to hear how our fuel and convenience sector is making waves on Pump Chats. Gales Gas Bars has been a family-owned and operated business servicing the Niagara region since 1967. With 14 service stations, four convenience stores, wholesale fuel delivery, and home heating fuel delivery, they cover the region's petroleum needs and always keep the community at the heart of their business. Jessica Friesen is the third generation owner and CEO of Gales Gas Bars and Gales Fuels. Born and raised in the Niagara region, she became CEO in 2014, bringing new innovation and insights to the family business. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled you're here and you've got a really interesting story about your family business. So your grandfather purchased a single fuel truck and one gas station. What was it like growing up amidst a growing family business? Um, It was, you know, it was just the way of life for us. It was something that we didn't know any differently of. I have a younger brother and a younger sister And we all worked within the company as we were children in our teenage years. And I think, you know, my my father and my grandfather worked extremely hard. They worked very long hours. My mom was home with us and we didn't know any differently. We were used to dad not being there when we woke up in the morning and coming home very late. And we were used to spending our Saturdays and our Sundays at the office with him or you know, the, one of the best things that would happen was if he had to take a truck out, one of our oil trucks, and we got to ride co-pilot, and that was just so much fun for us. But, you know, it was it was busy. It was hard work. I always saw the passion that my father and my grandfather had for the business, and being a family company, it wasn't just the two of them. It was my grandmother. It was my mother. It was my aunts and my uncles. Everyone was involved in the company in some way, shape, or form, whether it was just through support at family discussions, or if it was as my brother and sister and I grew up, you know, with a really hands-on take in the business. We all worked in the business. My brother drove truck for us for several years. We've all done other things as well, but we all, as a family business, you're always part of that family business in some way, shape or form. And even now, my husband's part of the company. He supports us. And my children from time to time are here helping me. They come with mom now and on the weekends and and on holidays. And, you know, they see me working long hours and being at work when they wake up in the morning. So it's something that I can see now through the lens of my father's eyes from when I was a kid. You know, what what he was seeing when I was growing up is what I'm experiencing now with my children. That's pretty incredible. And to also show your kids the amount of work ethic and commitment it takes to run a business is, is also pretty incredible. When did you get the bug to actually enter the business? You mentioned, Jessica, that you had other roles before coming back to work for Gales. What did you do and when did you decide to kind of make the leap back into the family business? So when I was in university, I was interested in healthcare. 
originally I was going to go and become a doctor and I actually became a registered nurse and I did that for several years. And after the birth of my first child, my son, who is 13 years old now, I suffered from significant postpartum depression for the first six months. Mm -hmm. When I was pregnant with my daughter, and there's 20 months between the two of them, when I was pregnant with her, I approached my close family and friends and said, you know, if you see certain signs, then it means that I'm suffering again, and I might not recognize that myself. So, you know, just pay attention. Mm -hmm. This was at the height of the recession back in late 08, early 09. My daughter's born in February of 09. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my father purchased two new locations that had convenience stores on them. He approached me. Now, after my daughter was born, everything was fine. There was no concerns with me after her. Mm -hmm. But he approached me knowing that um, I'm an absolutely horrid stay-at-home mom. Kudos <laughs> to the ladies that do that. I, I you know, uh, two thumbs up because I, I couldn't. And he knew that I wanted to get out of the house. So he approached me and asked if I wanted to help out setting up convenience stores because that was an area of the industry that we had never gone into before. So I remember saying to him, well, how many hours a week are we looking at here? And he said, oh, one or two, you know, no big deal, but it, it would just help me out a lot. And I said, okay, sure. Well, you know, famous last words. <laughs> and it became obviously more than that. And by the time we were opening up those two locations, I had already been bitten. I had already gotten the bug. And I just, I loved the feeling of that entrepreneurial feeling. It was the mm -hmm. first time that I had really experienced that and been given the exposure to making the decisions and seeing the impact and really feeling the repercussions of the decisions that I was making, both good and bad. And I enjoyed the thrill of it. I enjoyed the challenge of it. I enjoyed meeting new people. So it just became a, um, well, I never went back to the nursing and my father and I had always had a close relationship. We'd always gotten along very, very well. And we just decided that, you know, we're going to try this and see how it goes. And I just never looked back. So it became more than the convenience stores. And I started focusing on other areas of the company. And I ended up taking over as owner operator in 14. That's absolutely amazing. And congratulations. And also, thank you for being so open and candid with your postpartum depression. Because my experience with the sector, which is an amazing sector, but it's extremely male driven. And sometimes there's a tendency to have a bit of a stiff upper lip. And I think we need more women and leaders just talking about the balance and what goes into running a business and also the personal challenges. So I really appreciate your, your candor. What's been your biggest accomplishment since taking over as operator owner in 2014? I would have to say obtaining the designation of living wage champion. We are the first petroleum company in Ontario to have obtained that designation. Being part of a family company, this is more than just the Gale family. It's more than just my family. It's the family of every staff member that works for me. And I'm very aware of the fact that I have over 100 individuals that are putting food on their table for their families. And they rely on me to make the right decisions. Providing a living wage lifestyle was something that fell very strongly in line with where I was taking the company. 
And I felt that it would be a good investment to make in my staff. Additionally, you know, there's a lot of turnover in this industry. And I felt that if I could offer some benefits and a better wage to my staff, that perhaps we could mitigate that. And it's done that. It's done that tremendously. Um, I'm very proud of the staff that I have, the individuals that I have, and they are very proud to be a part of an organization that is as forward thinking as Gales is, as I am. So, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy decision to make. It's certainly a very large financial commitment to make, but I think that it was the right call for us to make at that time. And we've just had, actually yesterday was our official one year anniversary. And I think that it's setting the bar for the industry. It's changing the landscape. And it certainly got some attention in Niagara mm -hmm. showing that, you know, it's not just fluff. We don't just say yeah. that we are supporting the community. We stand behind our words and mm -hmm. we do. So it's, you know, it's, it's a case of actions being louder than words. We are living wage champions and I'm very proud of that. Congratulations again. You don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. Have you noticed from a business perspective, you speak about turnover in this sector. Have you noticed, you mentioned increased retention. Are you noticing cost savings? You're giving your employees a living wage, which is absolutely incredible. But are you noticing on the back end and, and your financial statements that you're actually able to save money because you're not investing in training and recruitment? Yes, I, I would have to say yes. You know, Training is just such a high cost endeavor and you never know if it's going to work out. So at being able to mitigate that has certainly allowed us to keep a few more dollars in our pockets and, and use that money for other capital investments that we're doing because we've got a lot going on. What's been your greatest challenge? Well, COVID, I mean, obviously is a huge blip for everybody, but that's the automatic first answer. The largest challenge I would have to say overall is, is really communication communicating effectively with all levels of staff and ensuring that they understand where, where I am trying to go, where the senior team is trying to go, how that affects them and what is expected of them and vice versa. What are their concerns? What do they expect of the senior team and of me? Um, you know, we've got different ways that we go about doing this. We have company newsletters, we have comment cards, we have monthly town halls. And all of these things help, but communication is definitely something that we will never stop working on. It can mm -hmm. always be improved. And there's always, uh, there's always problems with it as well, no matter how hard you try, because nobody's perfect and communication's not perfect. So I think overall, that's something that we will always be working on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's funny. I completely agree with you. Communications is paramount whether it's internal, external to your customers. So you guys do an excellent job of that. You mentioned COVID being a challenge. Can you speak to me about uh, your experience managing COVID and, and how you're able to build resilience in the uh, organization? Mm -hmm. So COVID with this industry, my experience was that it hit hard, it hit fast. And the initial impact was, I just don't think that we were prepared. We realized how big of a issue this was going to be. So we were, you know, days behind and, and or a week behind in 
what maybe maybe others uh, had had known about or had planned for. Initially, we thought that this was going to be a week, maybe two. You know, we're going to get out over the hump, and then we're going to carry on. And it certainly hasn't been that. Um, so we, I, I, it's funny. I call. I said the first uh, two or three months that I had two dates every day: a date with Trudeau and a date with Ford. And I wanted to know exactly what they were saying, what they were doing, what the changes were going to be. We would execute those changes, how they impacted us. And then the next day we would see how, how we had to change again. And we had to pivot, we had to adjust, and we had to do it quickly. And it was frustrating for everybody involved, ourselves having to make those decisions and then having to remake them again the next day or hour sometimes. And it was frustrating for our staff because they were constantly being told to do things a different way in the beginning because we were just trying to go with the flow. Um, once we were through the initial uh, Im impact in the initial stages, so I'd have to say, uh, you know, after the first two to four weeks, it was really just riding it out mm -hmm. and going with the flow, but keeping that vision always, you know, keep your eye on the, on the prize. Our vision is fueling Niagara for the next 50 years. And that was the prize. How are the decisions we make today going to get us to 50 years from now? 50 right. years from now, my children or probably my grandchildren will look back on this year and say, okay, what did grandma just do yeah. during this? And what could we learn from that? And I think that as a responsible leader, that's the way that you have to look at things. We have bumps in the road. As entrepreneurs, it's, we're, we're here for the challenge. We're, we're passionate about the challenge of running a business. But you have to look at the extremes as bumps in the road mm -hmm. and get through it and then keep your eye on that prize. And you have to have that vision that you're constantly working towards. That's something that we, I feel, did very well. Mm -hmm. And it's something that has made it so that we've come out of this pandemic or are, are going through this pandemic. And we're definitely stronger because of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great to hear. There's a lot of, and you, you touched upon it, government discussion. And I certainly sit amongst a number of technical working committees with the provincial governments and the federal government on how do you transition the sector to be more sustainable? And one thing that always strikes me that we try to combat through SIPMA is that this sector is part of the solution. It's not black and white. It's not gas versus clean tag. They really are intertwined. And for you know, a viable reduced emission future, you need this sector and you need the sector to be brought along. What is Gales doing to be more sustainable and more innovative in its approach as it continues to grow? So, um, you alluded to um, electric vehicles and renewable energy, and and that is definitely something that we're keeping we're keeping an eye on. I read two articles just this morning about electric vehicles, and while that's coming, and it's definitely going to be a challenge, it's not going to revolutionize the industry as quickly as I think was originally was originally projected. Um, there will always be room for fossil fuels. There will, will always be the need for gasoline and for diesel. That's my personal belief. With that being said, I'm certainly keeping an eye on electric vehicles, and we are in the middle of a large-scale remediation of multiple sites. And I am certainly building into those plans 
room for electric charging stations. I'm not executing mm -hmm. that yet because I don't feel that the volume of vehicles on the road uh, warrants it, yep. but it's, it's definitely something that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. But we're also looking at other ways that we can stay green. And this uh, remediation project that we're doing, the renovation project that I spoke about, that's what really mm -hmm. kick-started this project is looking at how can we be environmentally responsible and realizing that we had several sites that had old steel tanks and the first responsive, uh, environmentally responsible thing to do was to swap out those tanks, clean everything up, put in double wall fiberglass tanks and lines, mm -hmm. upgrade our pumps and make sure that we are doing what's right for the environment. And then we can move from there. So in the immediate future, that's my focus. Electric vehicles and renewable fuels are really mm -hmm. something that I would be focusing on. Uh, I, I, obviously I'm, I'm watching it, but more so for the next 10, that's the 10 to 20 year plan. Absolutely. And I think you make a really great point that they will be part of the solution. Absolutely. But there are other ways to reduce footprints through remediation, through energy efficiency, through renewable fuels, through just all, you know, even increased um, emission reductions through traditional fossil fuel gasoline. And I think that's a conversation that needs to be had more in the public eye that you know, this isn't black and white. There are many parts of the solution and many of the sector players, including yourself, are working towards that right now. So thanks for sharing that. What do you think the industry will look like in 10 years from now? I see a lot more, especially because of COVID, I see a lot more um, pay at the pump, a lot more self-serve, if you will, even within the convenience stores, you know, self-cash outs, you know, COVID has changed our landscape permanently and quickly. And I think that in the next few years, we're going to see a lot of things happening that will protect individuals' health and safety. Um, now, I don't necessarily know what those things are, but I, I think that this is something that I will certainly be keeping an eye on because it's, you know, it's something that's going to come down the pipes, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Jessica, what's next for Gales? Oh, what's next? More more remediation. So COVID really threw a, a wrench in our plans and the uh, sites that we were renovating this year have gotten pushed back by uh, at least six months to a year. So we're, we're looking at uh, smaller projects right now, but I'm really excited about where we are with the renovations. We had, uh, we've, we've knocked off a lot of the sites and once all of that is done, then we look to more convenience stores and we're always growing our fuel distribution and end uh, of uh, the company as well. So that's um, that's not something that we can forget about. That's something that uh, is definitely growing. We're seeing a lot of uptake on that, and it's pretty exciting for us. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It has been a pleasure to chat with you, and I'm so thrilled that you are our first guest on our new podcast, and I wish you all the best with all the remediation work and all of the future development plans that you have in the works. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time, and, and uh, I didn't realize I was the first guest, but thank you. That's, that's <laughs> a huge honor. Amazing. Thanks, Jessica. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen and subscribe to Pump Chats anywhere you find your podcasts. Until next time.